Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 74 of The Informed Catholic. This is the second week of Lent, and we're going to do the readings for Friday, the second week of Lent of 2021. So before we begin, please, if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share to my podcast. I really would appreciate it. So let's begin with the act of contrition. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Guardian of the Church and Terror of Demons, pray for us. Saint Athanasius, pray for us. Saint Jerome, pray for us. Saint Ambrose, pray for us. Saint Augustine, pray for us. Saint Thomas More, pray for us. Saint John Fisher, pray for us. Saint Francis of Assisi, pray for us. Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Saint Peter and Saint Paul, pray for us. Saint Mary Magdalene, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, please bless this podcast reading and bless the scripture reading and bless our hearts and everyone's so that our hearts may be open to your message and we may be transformed into the image and likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Release me from the snares they have hidden from me, for you indeed are my refuge. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Release me from the snares they have hidden from me, for you indeed are my refuge. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Release me from the snares they have hidden from me, for you indeed are my refuge. Amen. Okay, and the reading, first reading is from Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. Here, here comes the man of dreams. Let us kill him. A reading from the book of Genesis chapter 37. It goes from verse 3 to 4. 12 to 13, 70 to 28. So it does some parts that are edited. Let's see. Israel loved Joseph, best of all his sons, for he was the child of his old age, and he had made him a long tunic. 
When his brothers saw that their father loved him best of all his sons, they hated him so much that they would not even greet him. Interesting. One day, when his brethren had gone to pasture their father's flock at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are tending our flocks at Shechem. Get, get ready, I will send you to them. So Joseph went after his brothers and caught up with them in Dothan. They noticed him from a distance, and before he came up to them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes that master dreamer. Come, let us kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns here. We could say that a wild beast devoured him. We shall then see what comes after his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from their hands, saying, We must not take his life. Instead of shedding blood, he continued, Just throw him into the cistern there in the desert, but do not kill him outright. His purpose was to rescue him from their from their hands and return him to his father. So when Joseph came up to them, they stripped him of the long tunic he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the cistern, which was empty and dry. They then sat down to their meal. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels laden with gum, uh, with gum and balm and, and resin to be taken down to Egypt. Judah set, said to his brothers, What is to be gained by killing our brother and concealing his blood? Rather let us sell him to see to these Ishmaelites instead of doing away with him ourselves. After all, he is our brother and our own flesh. His brothers agreed. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Okay, I'm going to only read this once. This is obviously pointing to what would happen to Jesus. But what's interesting, if you notice a pattern, if you're familiar with the Genesis account, okay, um, Cain and Abel. Obviously, Adam and Eve favored one of the children. Cain was the firstborn, and they probably thought he was the one that was going to maybe, um, what do you call it, save them. And then suddenly, of course, you know, uh, Abel comes along, and who knows, maybe Abel was sort of favored, maybe to some extent, but we know that God preferred Abel's... Uh, sacrifice then over Cain and then Cain wind up killing Abel that was the second fall um then we have um Isaac and Ishmael Ishmael was obviously the firstborn but Sarah was not happy and um Ishmael was sent off to the desert was sent off with his mother 
Of course, that was another dysfunctional family. Then we have Jacob and Esau. And uh, Isaac preferred Esau. Rebecca preferred Jacob. Again, favoritism. Amazing. Dysfunctional families in the Bible. So don't have to be ashamed. And then, of course, Joseph was uh, the son of uh, Jacob's old age, and he favored him. The other brothers were jealous. And then they decided to want to kill him. But the idea that they sold him, they sold, uh, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Short of 10, it would have been 30. So it would have been just like Christ, but still, there's a, there, that's, that's obviously playing on that. And the fact that his own brothers turned on him, which was a reference to uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and men of his own nation turned on him. And of course, he was abandoned. So it's playing with that. And they sold him to, you know, as a price of a slave. And the fact that he had a tunic, a long tunic, kind of like a priestly tunic, which is alluding to the high priesthood uh, of uh, and it was it was long tunic with no seam, similar to what Jesus would be wearing. It's it's playing on that. It's obviously playing on that. So it's, you know, then the fact that Reuben, Reuben wanted to save him, but Reuben wanted to save him because he wanted to restore his relationship with his father. Uh, Jacob, Israel, because Reuben wound up having an affair with one of Jacob's um, handmaids or his uh, mistress, uh, violated his his father's bed. Um, Judah, ironically, Judah uh, also hated Joseph, but he wound up changing and said, decided, well, let's not kill him. Judah would be the one that would the Messiah would come from, King David. And all the other kings would come from Judah. So it's interesting that they wound up selling him. And they mentioned what the Ishmaelites were carrying. They were carrying spices. And they mentioned here the Ishmaelites laden with gum, balm. Balming is, is for uh, embalming and, you know, and also for, for the dead. They were taking it to Egypt with resin. And obviously incense would be probably one of those... Um, uh, goods that would be taken to uh, the Egyptians, Egyptians because of them. So they wound up selling him as a slave, and he wound up being sold to the Egyptians. And what they meant to be, as we find out, for death, evil, God turned into good because Joseph would rise up, and he would be. He's an anointing. He's a Christ figure. He's a Messiah. He would save them. He would became the source of bread. Grain, like Jesus is a sort of uh, is a source of our our spiritual food. Joseph became a source of salvation for his people. Okay, so let's move on from there. Okay, Psalm one hundred and five. Okay, one hundred and five, and the response is: Remember the marvels the Lord has done, when the Lord called down a famine on the land and ruined the crop. That sustained them, he sent a man before them, Joseph sold as a slave. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. They they had weighed him down with fetters, and he was bound with chains, till his predictions come to pass, and the word of the Lord proved him true. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. 
The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He had made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Okay, and so you see, this is this is a, a messianic psalm. Let's read it one more time. When the Lord called down a famine on the land and ruined the crops that sustained them, he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. They had weighed him down with with feather with fetters, and he was bound with chains, till his predictions came to pass, and the word of the Lord proved him true. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He had made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Okay, so this is obviously, yes, it is a messianic psalm. Okay, so the Lord called down a famine on the land and ruined the crops that sustained them. That's, like I said, it is with reference to spiritual malnourishment. The people not feeding on the word of God, not having the spirit of God in them. When the, the brothers of Joseph threw, their, threw him in the pit, in the cistern, the well, it was empty. It was empty. It was dark and it was empty. A sign of spiritual, they're spiritually dead. The brothers are spiritually dead. They wished death on him. They literally wanted to murder their brother. They wanted to murder him. They had, they stripped him. They stripped him of his tunic, his tunic that was made for him. It was like a priestly tunic. He was a Christ-like figure. He is the, he is the Messiah. And they, betrayed him. They tied him up. They bound him and they threw him in into the, the, the cistern. It was empty of water. It was empty. It was dark and it was empty. That was death. He died. And then they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. There, there's something there, in a sense, when you look at it. 20 is short, of obviously, of 30. And so 30 has a triune meaning because when Jesus was sold, it was 30 pieces of silver that Judas, Judas took. So it shows more of a completion, a triune completion, a triune fulfillment. And then they sold him to Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites sold him to Egypt. He was dead. He was dead to them. They took his tunic and they dipped it in blood. It was almost like, in a sense, like something uh, alluding to washing their hands and they never told their father. They kept that secret from the old man for years, years. They never told him the truth. They all knew they, they murdered him. Reuben, his other brother, wanted to save him because, remember, he wanted to, you know, you saw an opportunity maybe of redeeming himself. He was going to use an opportunity to redeem himself through Joseph, kind of like almost buying back his, his, his you know, his, uh, you know, selling and buying back his innocence or something that that was it and then judah judah who the one the messiah would come from and even david and all the kings would come from also took part in this but they almost decided to murder him and they decided an opportunity for profit and they sold him 
in a sense, we wonder which was worse. Murder obviously would have been worse. But slavery was just as good as murder, as death. And they sold him into Egypt. They sold one of their own. Treachery. They were all Judases. <laughs> and they all pretty much like, like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They turned on their own. And it goes on here. They, um, they had weighed him down with fetters, fetters, like a, it's a plant that was used, like they made rope from, and he was bound with chains. Pretty much it's, it's alluding to Jesus. It's alluding to Jesus. What would happen? It's a prophecy. What would happen to our Lord till his predictions came to pass like the resurrection. He predicted he would rise again on the third day and the word of the Lord proved him true. Yeah. And the king sent and released him, and the rulers of the people set him free. He he made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Sometimes this is reference to St. Joseph, because he was the guardian. But you see the beauty of it there. That is absolutely a messianic prophecy right there. It's a beautiful messianic prophecy. You know, it's something to to, to appreciate. Okay, um, let's move on to the gospel. Okay, the verse before the gospel, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. All right, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, twenty, chapter 21, verse 33 to 43, 45 to 46. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servant, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to these tenants when he, when he comes? They answered him, He will put those ten wretched men uh, wretched men to a wretched death and leaves his vineyard to an, to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times jesus said to them did you never read did you never uh, read the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and by the lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, 
I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, heard his parable, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll read it one more time. Okay. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower, then he leased it to the tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servant, and one they beat Another they killed, a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were, attempt they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet." The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So you see something similar in this one? You see what, what's happening here. Now, obviously, it's it mirrors the picture of what happened to Joseph. It mirrors a picture of what happened to Joseph. The psalm itself is really a messianic psalm, Psalm 105. That's a messianic psalm. It's talking about Joseph, but it's talking about the Messiah. Joseph was actually, probably you could say, the closest uh, obvious mirror. And he's not even referenced in the Gospels. You never hear Paul make mention to him or uh, Maybe once you can hear in the book of Acts where Stephen makes mention to it. But it's an obvious reference to salvation. Joseph was a source of bread and food for his tribe, and they survived. But guess what? It wasn't in the promised land. That's the strangest thing. It was out of the promised land in Egypt that they found their salvation because it's a picture of the gospel going out into the nations. 
it's a picture. And it was the first time they actually, when you think about it, the first time they actually went into exile. They went to a foreign land. They stayed there for 430 years. Joseph didn't just save his own people. He saved the Egyptians. He saved the Egyptians. They were, they were wanderers, pilgrims. Pilgrims. And then afterward, they went back. They, they received their second savior, sort of a, a type picture of a Christ, Moses. And they went back to, into the promised land. But not right away. Of course, they sinned. They failed. And they had to wander for 40 years. And then they got their third one, which was Joshua. Of course, Abraham and, and uh, you know, Isaac and Jacob, they were all pictures of it. But technically, Joseph was the closest. When, his, when their brothers, his brothers saw him, they didn't recognize him. Just like the apostles didn't recognize Jesus when he rose from the dead on the road to Emmaus. That's why sometimes they couldn't recognize him at all. But it was Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. So here, this, this is now not just grain. Well, Joseph was the Messiah of grain. Now we have the image of wine. And a wine press, how do you get wine? You crush the grapes. You crush them, which is what's going to happen to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to the Garden of uh, the Olive Press, and he was crushed. That his blood, he, he sweated blood. He was crushed bruised for our iniquities, crushed for our sins. These are the picture of it. So you see it here. And then it goes on, you know, he talks about leasing. Israel was leased, uh, the, the land, but it was more like the church, the mission, the temple, the, the prophets, the word of God. Revelation was leased to them, given to them, and they were to produce a harvest, but they failed to do it. They failed. They failed at it. They were doing it for a while, but they failed. And then what happened? It, it, it goes on that they he talks about the man who leased it. He sent people to collect the produce. They started to kill the messengers. They started killing them, and he sent more. That's a picture of the prophets that Israel persecuted. And then he sent them a son. Again, a mirror after the prophets and they realize this is the heir let us kill him and we will take it for ourselves and so he said what should the owner of the vineyard do and they say well he should beat them and crush them you know and, and then take you know, have them give them a wretched death that they what they did to his son and then what did jesus jesus decided to quote the psalm the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone Okay, and it's a, by the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Let me look up the passage for that. It's Psalm 118, verse 22. That's the, the cornerstone. You know, when you build a building, you lay down the foundation stone or the cornerstone, and that's the uh, the keystone. I guess you can call it maybe similar to that. It's the foundation stone. And Jesus is saying, because there was a story that when they rebuilt the temple, someone forgot to lay the foundation stone. And the rejected stone is supposed to represent the Christ, the Messiah. 
you know, and he, he says here, the stone, the stone that has, that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And it, you know the cornerstone, and it says, "But this is the work of the world, Lord, and it's it's a wonder in our eyes." In other words, it found another use, you know, it, it found another place. And he's pointing out that they, you know, that they themselves have failed. They reject the Christ, but they don't realize it's Him. And then suddenly, he he's telling them, he's giving them the future of the church. That he's going is going to go to the Gentiles, and that they themselves will be will you know will they'll lose it because they failed to be the people that God wanted them to be because they wound up taking the religion and making it into something else. Hate to say it, but it looks like it's happening again today. It's happening again with these with these clerics. Christ said the church will never fall. I believe Jesus, but you can't trust these men because remember the apostles rejected him. They they abandoned him. Peter denied him three times. It's it's Judas betrayed him. It's going to happen again. And Christ will have to fix this. Who knows? I don't know how he's going to do it. But there is a lack of faith. There's an atmosphere of ugliness. They keep having these horrible, heretical L.A. nonsense thing. And they keep. They keep trying to find way to be relevant to the culture. It's hard for them to preach the gospel. It's almost like someone has their tongue hostage, like the devil has their tongue hostage. And they keep repeating the same thing over and over again. That doesn't work. It's like they say, you know, the sign of madness for someone is repeating the same, the same wrong decision, hoping that you'll get a different outcome. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The gospel will be preached. Christ will save the church. And these men who they'll remember what, what John the Baptist said, every tree that does not produce fruit must be cut down and thrown into the fire. Something will happen. Something will happen. Okay. Let's say the, our father, Hail Mary and St. Michael in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. All right, folks, God bless, and I'll be back with another episode soon. So please pray for me. It'll, I really need it. And remember to pray for the church and for the Pope. God bless.